What's up, my weirdos? This week, we are doing something a little bit different, and we are interviewing the incredible Emma Cortez, who is a content creator. She formerly worked at Boeing. She's worked mostly actually in corporate life, but circa 2020 went full-time creator and has since blown up in social media. If you're looking for her online and you want to see some of the most incredible things, she is at Emma's Edition or Edition.com. But without further ado, let's jump into this interview because there is just so much to talk about and so many things that I feel like we can all take away about creators and more importantly, the creator's economy. So let's go. Welcome to Girls Just Want to Have Funds, the weekly podcast that deconstructs the intimidating world of finance. Hosted by Syra Rahman, VP of Finance at HM Bradley, and her partner in crime, Megan McShane, a manager at a Fortune 100 company, and supported by Stockwitz. Girls Just Want to Have Funds will take on the important questions in personal finance that so many of us avoid, but also take on a glass of wine or two. Learn more, subscribe to the show, and join Syra and Megan on their no shame adventure to financial freedom at girlsjustwanna.com. What's up, everyone? We are here today with the incredible Emma Cortez. Emma, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Emma, we are both in Seattle, and I always find it hilarious that we're virtually dialing in, but it's nice to know you're here. Like, I feel a little better. You're like, you get it, you know? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So let's kick it right off, Emma, because your story is amazing. We want to make sure we really get the nitty gritty. So everyone we interview is typically a woman and they are a heroine in their own regard. So we would love to know from you, what has been your heroine's journey thus far? So I would say my journey has unfolded in a way where I never thought it would unfold. And I'll just give a quick background. In second grade, when I told my mom I wanted to be a fashion designer or a writer, as an immigrant mother, she straight up was like, that's like, great as a hobby, but like, what are we going to do to like, make sure you're going to eat and like pay your bills? I like second grade. And I'm like, not harping on my mom at all. But I remember thinking that and it's funny, because I mean, I ended up going to the University of Washington, majoring in business, jumping into corporate America. But at the end of the day, I still became a content creator where I share my love of fashion and I write on a weekly basis. So I say it unfolded the way that I never thought it would, but I'm so glad it did because in college, my goal honestly was just to make sure that I had a stable job. I mean, a lot of immigrant families, right? You're just looking for stability. And my parents were like, okay, like you're the first one here in the States going to college. My mom got her college degree in the Philippines. It's a completely different system. And for them, it was like, okay, like there's just like a lot of pressure to make sure that like you succeed. And so for me, I pretty much put fashion and like my passions on the back burner. And I straight up came into college and I was like, I'm about to finance this education with loans and some scholarships and some grant money, but I need a return on my investment. So my senior year of college, I again was in the business school, started interviewing with, you know, like kind of the recruiting season. And so I was interviewing with tech and the consumer packaged goods industry and the aerospace industry. 
And so I knew I was going to land somewhere in corporate America, but I wanted to make sure I still had a creative space. So I decided to start my blog, Emma's Edition, in 2014, where it would just be my space to share my edition of fashion and style. And I would make sure that I would have a creative space alongside my corporate career. So fast forward, I worked one year in the CPG industry, six years in the aerospace industry, and then 2020, I got laid off. But all that time, I decided to keep my blog and my Instagram and continue to create content and build my community on the side. And so by the time it was 2020 and I got that layoff notice, I didn't know that I was ready yet, but I knew it was like time for me to take that full time. So 2021 was my first time as a full-time content creator. And it's funny that my passions in second grade still exist with me today, writing and fashion, and it's expanded since then. So yeah, that's why I say it's it just unfolded the way I didn't think. In college, I was like, I just want benefits and like a stable income. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm able to like still experience that financial stability, but still do it on my own way. So it's been very exciting. A lot of risk taking on my part, deciding to take a step back away from corporate America, not deciding to find something after I got laid off and just jumping into blogging content creation full time. So yeah, that's a little bit about me and my journey so far. <laughs> there were two things that stuck out to me when you were talking about that. The first is that you got laid off and you flipped that into something as cool as content creation, which I think is just so rad. I mean, you know, I think everyone kind of had to find themselves a little bit in 2020. Uh, it was definitely a year of reflection for me, at least. And I definitely ended up leaving traditional finance because I was self-reflecting. So I, I felt that. The second thing that like really cuts deep is the like your mom being an immigrant being like, no, that sounds like a hobby. That was definitely the same thing with my parents. I love writing. I love talking to people. I love the content creation aspect of it. And to this day, Neither of my parents have listened to this podcast, which makes me sad. Despite the fact that they're now finally aware of it, we're like knee deep in season two. And and my parents just recently discovered that the podcast is not, in fact, something that people just do for their job. It's something that I do for, for fun with Meg. So that is super cool to hear. So when you were going through the process in 2020, what, do you remember a specific tipping point where you were like, you know what, I'm... I just got laid off or, you know, you felt the shift at your company and you knew you wanted to move forward with content creation. Yeah. So the question was like the specific tipping point when I was like, okay, this is it. So I guess, so I actually had a choice when I got laid off, I started informing former directors and managers that I was going to leave the company. And then I started getting job offers because they were like, oh, we don't want you to leave. But then I was like, hold on, like, is this actually my time? Like, should I accept this layoff notice? So two big things that helped pushed me to accept the layoff and pursue content creation full time. Number one, I had been setting financial revenue goals as a creator since 2018. So 2016, I started taking my blog and my Instagram more seriously. 2000 followers on Instagram, no idea what I was doing. 2017, I was like, people are making money. How do I even do this? I just want to break even. I'm spending money hiring photographers because I want to outsource photography because I don't have time to take photos and edit because I'm working full time. But, you know, I, I just want to break even. So 2017, I actually started making just a few hundred dollars a month on brand partnerships and I broke even. 2018, I was feeling very ambitious. I said, I want to make $10,000 this year off my blog and my Instagram. 
And at this time I was working full-time and I was in graduate school full-time. I got my master's in digital media and I was like, okay, I've broke in even, I know there's a way to do this. So I met with Revenue Goal in 2018. 2019 was the tipping point. I decided that I wanted to bring $40,000 on top of my full-time job with my blog and my Instagram. I took everything I learned from grad school and applied it straight into my creative career. That wasn't the intention. I thought I was going to climb up the corporate ladder, but I was like, this digital media degree is like changing my life. And so, yeah, 2019, I ended up meeting my financial revenue goal and I brought in $40,000 off the side. And I said, if I can do this part time and make 40 grand a year and have a down payment for a freaking house, I know that if I did this full time, I could match my corporate salary. So 2020, didn't know the pandemic. I said, okay, you know what? I did 40K last year. I want to match my corporate salary of $90,000. And then I get laid off. I become a full-time content creator September 1st. Biggest Q4 I've ever seen as a creator. It was insane. And I matched my corporate salary in 90K and I hit six figures for the first time as a full-time content creator. I brought in $100,000 working with brands. So for me, I was like, my tipping point was 2019. I knew the money was out there. You just have to understand the business side of the creator industry. And so for me, by the time that layoff notice came, I was like, no, I already I already set the financial revenue goals and I'm confident in my ability to make money as a creator and I understand how to do it. So I'm scared as hell, but I'm going to jump and I'm going to do this. And then it ended up paying off. So it was a very crazy tipping point. Again, like I didn't even tell anyone when I first like, at the end of 2019, I was like, wow, I, this is people's salaries for a year. And I did it on the side. I was like, Wait, okay, we can do this. We can do this. <laughs> it's so wild to me. And I love that we're talking about risk because it's something Syra always brings up from like a financial standpoint because you have to be you know, risk ready when you're investing or you want to save for a big goal, but you took it like three steps further, which I just want to applaud you for, for a second. Like you were like, okay, I got laid off. I'm going to turn, you know, a lemon into lemonade and actually do what I'm passionate about and get paid for it more than I did at my corporate job. And I'm going to make a difference. So I want to applaud you there for a minute. And then my question is like, how do you make money, Emma? Like, tell us, like, what's up? Like, how did you make, like, your first dime, like, doing this? Like, what are some of, like, I think I called it insider baseball, you know? Like, what's the insider knowledge here? Okay, so there are any aspiring creators out there, whether you're a podcaster, a TikToker, an Instagram, or a YouTuber, I really quickly want to run down revenue streams in the digital space. Not every creator is going to pick the same revenue stream. It depends on who you are, who your brand is, and what your audience expects from you. So we'll start with me. I was a project manager for four years in the aerospace industry. So I'm really used to different projects all the time, managing projects from start to finish. For me, brand partnerships were a natural way to step in and start making money as a creator. So this is no surprise, right? The advertising marketing industry for goods and services is billions and billions of dollars. And in the digital media space, there's also a segment of that within influencer marketing. So brands will go to influencers to reach new audiences, create seasonal content, and then just market their goods and services. And so for me, the main way I make money over 90% of my revenue as a creator is working with brands. So I've worked with Pizza Hut, Anthropology, Microsoft Edge. 
Adobe, you can just head on Instagram and you can see like all the different partners I've worked with, but it works really well for me because for me, I see it as every brand partners and new brand project and every brand project has a project life cycle. You determine the statement of work, you outline the timeline, you provide your concepts, you produce the content, you post. And so I know there are some creators out there who are like, that is way too much work. I don't want to work with brands. This sounds really stressful. And we'll explore other revenue streams, other ways to make money as a creator, right? If you're a podcaster, you could bring in podcast advertisers. I think that's one that that's the most straightforward, but other ways, right? You could become a speaker and be hired to do speaking events. You could do conferences. And then other revenue streams also include affiliate partnerships. I would say like a lot of creators, like if you look at your favorite fashion creators, they are linking the outfits that they're wearing because people want to know where they're shopping and like what size fits them. And there are creators out there who make six figures everywhere just linking outfits. And that works for them and that works for their audience because that's what they want. Other creators create actual physical products. So think of your favorite YouTubers selling merch, right? You love your favorite YouTuber. You follow their life. You want to be a part of their community. You wear their branded t-shirts, their tote bags, whatever that may be. And then there's other creators out there who may be more educational and you want to learn what, you know, maybe it's like an investing course through a financial influencers. But there's a whole space for that where people want to take their coaching programs. They want to buy their courses. So I gave a really, really fast rundown. I hope that made sense. If there's anyone who would like to visit, we can go into it. But there's many ways to make money in this digital space. The time consuming part is figuring out what makes sense for for you and your and what your audience is going to consume. I want to push on that a little bit because I think it's one, an amazing view to have that because a lot of people don't even know like how that stuff works. So thank you for sharing that. But how do you find the right people? Like, how do you find them? Do you like, to Syra and I like, I'm like, yo, Dyson vacuums, DM, like we need a sponsorship. Love your vacuums. You know what I mean? Like your blow dryer, it's $400. I would totally sponsor their hair wrap. Not saying, (laughs) I'm just saying. I use it this morning. I don't know if you guys have tried it. It's like magic for your hair and it takes 20 minutes to get your hair like curly. Like I put it in a bun because I'm wearing these big ass headphones. But if I took this down, you guys would see like a mermaid. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead so much of being creators like self-reflective and like how you consume the content but honestly people are going to be like that doesn't work if you really want to get a brand's attention let's start with instagram if you want to get a brand's attention on instagram if you're naturally talking about the product tag them if you are already using it on a daily basis if you're just showing how you get ready every day on stories tag the brand, use the branded hashtags. Typically you can see branded hashtags in their, in their bio. You'll see, you know, like for Madewell is hashtag everyday made well. That's like one way to get on a brand's radar. There are some brands out there who will not work with you unless you've mentioned them organically once. Oh. Second way. Oh. Yeah, I know. Some okay. of the PR companies are like, that's like a brand cr- criteria, which makes sense, right? You kind of, it's, then it's more organic in a way if you work with the brand. It's already incorporated in your life. Second way, if you really want to work with the brand and say you want to feature them on your podcast, honestly, or like they want want them to be your sponsor, I haven't done this yet, but I would probably take the same approach if I wanted to work with them on an Instagram campaign. You send them a DM, you say, hi, so-and-so, I'm looking to pitch, you know, X brand for potential podcast collaboration. May you please let me know if there's an email address to best use to send this email to. And then typically, 
hopefully if they see your message, they'll say, hey, yeah, like send this info at marketing.com or whatever. And then from there, you send your pitch. Um, That's a lot of the ways to do it. I think for me, I tend to organically talk about the brands. And then once you organically talk about the brand, like you'll find that PR companies manage multiple brands. So once you start working with one brand and one PR company and you create a relationship, that PR company will start referring you to other brands. That's how at least I develop a lot of my relationships and a lot of my like generate like new jobs and work with other brands is just the same PR companies. So I'm just going to say Nordstrom, if you're listening. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> Anyone from Nordstrom, <laughs> Megan and I have so many stories that we've shared about our Nordstrom adventures. <laughs> like we could honestly do a series on our adventures at Nordstrom. Yeah, well, yeah. I love it. I've worked with them twice, but they're on affiliate Perfect. So there's other. I'm sorry. We're like this is becoming like how do we? Let's go down the rabbit hole though. Like absolutely. Tell me about affiliate programs. Let's let's talk about it. Okay. So there's several affiliate programs out there, and these the crazy thing about the affiliate programs is that they also are databases for brands to come in and look for influencers and creators. So, So it's not just linking outfits. Like if you join that program and you fill out your profile. Sometimes they'll reach out and they'll say, hey, like this would be a good partnership. This is actually like a brand that we're looking to hire influencers for. And so at least for the Nordstrom campaign, I'm a part of reward style, which is like like to know it if anyone's familiar with that. I do use them to link outfits, but also I use them to get brand partnerships and Nordstrom does a lot of work through them. So it's totally possible. It's totally possible for you ladies to work with Nordstrom if you if you wanted to, you know. That's super funny. We're totally going to have to look into that, Meg. I will put that on my homework list. I will say Megan suggested an affiliate program to me previously. And I was like, no. But now it (laughs) sounds like it's a little bit more flexible than what I thought it was. Because I was like, it was a big box company that I'm not going to name. Because you know, ultimately, if they ever paid us a bunch of money to sponsor them, I would 100% take it. But I was like, we're not doing an affiliate program. Anyways, so that takes takes me to our next question, which... It's kind of an interesting one because it's one that I've thought about a lot. So what is the difference between a content creator and an influencer? Yeah, it's such a great question because I feel like in the industry, people use them interchangeably. And so when you sent this question over, I was like, "Hmm, I wonder if there really is a difference. Some of the stuff that I've read, and I guess I do agree with this, it's content. There are content creators out there who create the content that they're creating who are photographers and graphic designers right and they're truly creating content and the art for the passions of it and there's no they're doing their thing just because they love their art whereas influencers which I think I'm both because I definitely create content on on my own but at the same time like I think I naturally fell into the influencer category because at least through my whole you know creative career people were asking where I was shopping and what I was eating and what camera I was using and, you know, just kind of the general stuff, like, what are you actually consuming? And so I've heard that not every influencer is a content creator, not every content creator is an influencer and vice versa. I think the words will continue to evolve because one thing that's coming up is people are just calling, it's like a blanket statement, the creator economy versus the influencer economy. Because I think there are a little, sometimes there's some negative connotations associated with the word influencer. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily, at least for me, I don't know if there's like a huge, huge difference. I think 
but it just depends however people want to identify their work and what they do, right? Right on. That that makes a lot of sense to me. And to anyone that's wondering, by the way, we probably should have dropped this already, but Emma does some incredible work. Like one of the coolest Instagrams available online in terms of like beauty perspective and just like really lovely imagery. So she's Emma's edition. I'm going to throw that in here now, but I'm sure we'll ask you again later. But like when Megan first introduced me to you and was like, Hey, this is who I want to interview. What do you think? It was like an absolutely yes. Cause I, I was obsessed with your Instagram, just like scrolling through. So anyways, actually Meg, I think it might be your turn to ask a question. Oh, it's my turn. <laughs> Thank you. By the way, that was very sweet. You're so welcome. I mean, it's true, but what, what's so great. What makes her such an enigma our new friend Emma is that not only does she do all of that great work on her Instagram page, but she also has her own podcast where she talks about content creation in general and really what it becomes. And in my mind is more of like a philosophical journey down the rabbit hole, which I really like appreciate and love because I am such a big advocate for the creator economy, both in my side hustle and my full-time job. So Emma's like, you know, cream of the crop there, which we love. I appreciate it. Gosh, there's so much to unpack. But Emma, let's talk about, you know, how you plan out your time now that you're a full time content creator. What does that look like? Do you like front load a bunch of stuff? Do you have a team behind you? How is the makeup of like your whole work? It's such a great question. So where I'm at still today in 2022, I'm self represented, which means I don't have a manager. I'm not a part of a talent group. Every campaign that comes my way, I manage from start to finish on my own, but I do outsource some tasks. And so for me, the biggest thing I like to outsource is photography. When I started my blog back in 2014, I literally went to one of my friends from middle school who was in college with me. And I said, Holly, can you please just take some of my photos? And she's still my photographer today. Like, been my photographer for so many years. And then I also still shoot with my friend and my podcast co-host, Maddie. Her and her husband will take my photos, I would say probably 40 to 50% of the time. And so even though I still do all the writing and I still am the one recording, I'm the one engaging, I'm the still the person behind Emma's edition, I still have help producing the podcast and creating content for that. So how I set up and organize myself, this is also a like a question I get a lot because people are like, you're a full-time creator? Like, what do you even do all day? And it's so funny because I asked that like back in 2018, I was like, how would I fill my day? And I feel like I'm working more now than I was when I was working full-time, but it's okay because part of it is I'm so passionate about what I do. It doesn't feel like work. And now it's to the point where I'm like, okay. I know I'm having fun, but like, I actually like need to like log off because I can just keep working. So for me, the way that I approach things is I feel like I still approach it like a project manager at the beginning of each week. I'm looking at what brand partnerships are coming up. What do I need to shoot for? You know, do I need to schedule a photo shoot? Do I need to send concepts in? And then from there, I also have like kind of set days where Wednesdays are the days that we record for the podcast, but we're actually kind of adjusting our schedule and we're going to move to recording for the podcast once a month and just having like a full day. So that'll actually look a little bit different. So I guess now that my schedule will probably shift, but for the most part, it's just, I look at the top priority of the week and then that's how I prioritize. And then 
I also start a lot of my work is like at the beginning of the week. While I'm planning out the week and like looking at what brand partnerships are going on Sundays and Mondays, I typically write out all my captions for the week and plan out all the content that I want to execute that week. So typically like Sunday night, Monday morning, what I'm posting from Monday through Friday on Instagram's planned out. And then all my ideas for TikTok and like my blog posts, like that's also outlined. And then that way during the week, I'm just executing because, you know, it's a different part of your brain that's planning and then executing. And then that way it like helps me because people always ask, they're like, oh my gosh, are you actually like taking photos and then editing and then posting? I'm like, no way. That would take way too much time. Like maybe once a week I'm shooting, I have all my content. And so again, at the beginning of the week, it's like, okay, here's the photos that are being pushed out. Here's all the captions. Here's the TikTok, you know, videos I want to do. Here's a podcast outline. And then I just focus on executing. And then by Friday, I'm like, oh my God, I'm done. I'm so tired. <laughs> You're like, time for a cocktail. Here we go. I'm like, oh. Shut down Instagram, shut down all of the social media. Like I need a break. I totally understand that. I'm really curious. Is there an app that helps you stay organized? I'm asking this selfishly for myself. Like, is there one you would like live and die by? Because for us, it's notion. I'm like, When I'm logged out of our Notion page, I like want to cry and like literally like spray text everybody like what's the password? I'm like, I can't. That's a nod to sponsor us, by the way. Literally, (laughs) Megan became a convert and now is religious because she had not used Notion prior to Girls Just Wanna. So I am. Emma, do you have one? There's several things that I I use planally to plan my feet out. Sorry, say that again. Planally. Yes, Planoly. So okay. P-L-A-N-O-L-Y. I recommend Planoly, Plan or Unum. Those are like the Instagram planning feeds. I feel like the feed aesthetic thing is not as important as it once was. But for me, it's like the brand stuff. Like, oh, if I have a sponsored post on Tuesday, like, you know, I just want to line that up and like make sure I see that that is in my plan and that is in my feed. So Planoly for that. I know this sounds funny and hopefully they work with me I, one day in this platform. I am very probably corporate America in this way. All of my captions, Microsoft Word, like oh. <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds so funny, but for me, caption writing, because I am like posting every day, it's just so much easier to say, okay, here's like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then I write all the captions, relevant hashtags, and then I see what I'm posting. So Microsoft Word, organizing brand partnerships, Google Drive, and then I make Google folders for each brand. So sometimes with brand partnerships, if we have three posts, then I'll make like, okay, like here's the Google folder for Microsoft. All right, here's Instagram post flight one, Instagram post flight two, Instagram post flight three. Here's all the analytics because you have to submit analytics at the end of it. So everything's just like in one folder and then Excel to track partnerships. So everyone probably tracks revenue differently. For me, I still use Excel because that's what I use at work. And so just like recording when I secure partnerships and sign contracts, just so I can see it, you know, all in there. And so, yeah, those are a few of the tools I use. I'm so glad you asked that because there's no way I could like, manually keep everything in my head as much as I would like no it's like way easier to just have your tools oh and then Trello Trello for the podcast that's where we keep all the podcast stuff so I'll upload all the podcast outlines and then my co-host Maddie will put all the podcast graphics in there and then podcast editor 
when the file is done, it goes in there too. I have so many more questions, but also <laughs> Megan may or may not work for the company that could potentially sponsor us. Microsoft Excel should have sponsored this this podcast already <laughs> because of how many times I've talked about what a machine Microsoft Excel is, but that's neither here nor there. So hopefully Microsoft Word ends up sponsoring you, Emma, and Microsoft Please. Excel sponsors us, Megan, McShane. But I'm going to pour a glass of wine because this is all tied to a very big question. Yes. That's a little bit more business related. So my background is on the business side. So everything that you just said is super relevant to me. And it sounds actually like you work for jobs listening to you because you are the accountant, the project manager, the business partnership person. You're also the face of your brand. So you literally have four roles that you have compacted into one, unless you have a team behind you. And I apologize if I if I miss that piece of it. So you are actually a we. That's the first thing that I heard. The second question that I have for you though is, how have you structured it on the business side? So did you create an LLC that then represents you when you're signing contracts? Like, What did you do on the business and accounting side to make sure that you were that you were good, I guess, from both a tax obligation perspective and from a business perspective? Yes, I'm so glad you asked this. I get this question. And a lot of creators don't know that if you don't file as a business, you just automatically become a sole proprietor. So 2018, in my master's program, Master's of Digital Media, I took law of digital media. So we had like my professor was a like a lawyer who handled, I think his biggest client was like Prince or something. So he's a really great guy. And I came to him and I said, Hey, I have this blog, my project for the quarter, because you were supposed to propose a project that tied in, you know, the digital space and laws and whatever that may be. And so my big project was understanding what type of business you should file as an influencer creator, because I straight up was like, what the heck am I supposed to do? Like, and so anyways, he turned to me and I, he literally was like, you're not an LLC. And I was like, this is why I need this project. And he goes, no, but you know that like a brand can sue you and go after your personal assets. And I was like, blink, blink, blink. I was like, what do you, what, what do you mean? He was like, he's like, okay, like, do you have a house? I was like, no, I don't have that yet. Like I'm in an apartment. He's like, but if a partnership goes south, they can get your car, they can get your personal bank account, you know, what's in there. And I was like, so scared. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and so I'm so glad I made that my project. And I just learned the types of businesses and what would make sense best for influencers and creators. Obviously, I always say this disclaimer, I am not a lawyer. I took one law of digital media class. So please consult with an actual professional and like, don't just like take my word for it. So for me personally, I researched through the different types of LLCs. I filed as an S Corp. And so I am an LLC and an S Corp. And then also you should research, you know, by state how to file like as a small business. So you have an EIN number. It's so funny. I did this whole quarter research and then I filed with Washington State Small Business, whatever the company is. It took me 10 minutes. And I was like, wow, I worked up a whole quarter of stress <laughs> for 10 minutes. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure though. It's a lot of pressure. I, you know, it's funny because when Meg and I decided to go into business, that is literally like we went through because Meg was like, are you sure? Si? And I was like, I just need you to trust me on this one. Like I have a bunch of LLCs for side hustles and like we need an LLC. And the first question she asked me was, what are you worried about? And I was like, literally, if somebody comes and sues us because we like talked shit on Costco or like whatever, you know, like which we never talk shit on you, Costco. We love you. But yeah, that's exactly the biggest fear. Right? But there's also like 
I don't know. I feel like people forget that you have to like file taxes too. Yes, <laughs> and you don't yeah, want it taxed oh on you. You don't want that. Uh, you don't want the individual tax obligation. If you put it through an LLC, there's also benefits. I am saying this, by the way, as no one's financial advisor, but 100% if anyone's becoming a content creator, that is like the big thing, right? You get so many more tax benefits if you can flow your expenses through your LLC in addition to your... But I'm so glad to hear that that's the route that you took because that is 100% the route that I took Megan through. <laughs> So that was kind of Megan. Megan dropped that question into me and I was like, she's checking on me right now. <laughs> well, it's it's frightening because you're also like, you know, our taxes are coming up and I'm like, thank God Cyrus, my business partner and like basically my life partner now, you know, I'm like, hey, like, what are we doing? She's like, don't worry. It's being filed. This is what you do with your turbo tax. Good luck. But it can be really overwhelming. And I think people bite off more than they can chew getting into this because they do have the momentum, they have the influence, they have the social clout and network. And then you start getting paid. And you're like, what do I do with this money? And you have to be just as smart about that as you were about your content. Yeah. And one thing I will say, and I was, I'm so glad we're talking about this and I'm, I'm bringing this up. I have had creators message me and say that they have waited asking for money because they were so intimidated on how to recognize it and and file it like literally I've had and I'm like you what I'm like okay but there's ways to learn how to do this you know like even going on the IRS website like irs.gov like they like lay out the different types of corporations you can file for you know just to start breaking it down but I've literally had creators say I have purposefully withheld from asking for money because I'm so scared to like figure out how to do the next step. And for me, like, again, like I definitely approached the influencer industry with more of the business side because that was what I did for the last six years. And that for me, I was like, oh my gosh, like it just like kind of broke my heart because I was like, you're fully capable of figuring out, you know, what LLC is going to work for you best. But to literally be like, no, I, I can't do that. And so I'm just going to keep working for free. Like, just like, no, girl. I hear you. I'm at like, I think that's like what struck me about with Megan. It was like, I could tell she was super intimidated by like, okay, I don't want to deal with that stuff. Can you deal with that stuff? Just like, by the way, I respond in a similar, like with a visceral reaction when Megan's like, actually, Syra, you're kind of like into marketing. And I'm always like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. So please handle because <laughs> it's overwhelming to me. But yeah, and the, to that same point, right? Like it's so stressful. It's so stressful if you don't know that piece of it because there are so many hoops to jump through. And there's a lack of transparency as well, right? Like one of the things I do in my day job is I do support our growth team and like different creators charge different things. It's day and night sometimes how they want to charge. It's also day and night what people get charged based on, you know, it's it's not really your follower count. That is like a secret that I think a lot of people don't realize. Like your follower count doesn't matter. It's the level of engagement of your physical followers that actually matters. And that's what became so fascinating to me. I didn't realize that was a thing, which like speaking of, I have another question for you. It's financially met. We're going to stick to the business side for just a sec because I'm so fascinated by all of this. Like what is the easiest thing any creator can do to start trying to make money? Like what is, what's the lowest effort you want to get in? This is how you get in. Gosh, this is, again, I wish I could just be like this, but like my answer is going to be the best, not the easiest, the best thing you can do as a creator 
is to take a step back and ask yourself, what is my brand about? What do people know me for? And what does my audience expect of me, right? Because if you're if you're a creator who creates educational types of content, say again, like you are, I don't know, oh my gosh, what's an education? You're someone who's really into knitting and you show people how to knit and do different stitches and what yarn to use, right? If your audience is already going to your page to learn about something, it might make sense for you to sell a digital product that helps them get started with knitting, right? If your audience knows you for all your outfits and like the shoes that you're shopping for, the easiest thing, right? People are already going to you asking what you're wearing and where you're shopping, affiliate links. There's so many affiliate link programs out there, you can pursue it. So I always say, take a step back and like really think about like, okay, but if I say like, for me, I think a lot of creators, like what I saw in the influencer industry, a lot of people started selling presets because people were like, oh my gosh, people are making six figures just selling presets. Okay, let's take a step back. But does your audience know you as an expert in photography? Do they like your creative edits? Do they go to your page for photo inspiration? Like, so I think it's not that you can't sell presets. Like if you're really interested in getting into Lightroom and like really developing your photography and editing skills, like totally do that. But then also like think about like, is this what actually what my brand is known for? So I know that wasn't the question, the answer that people probably want, but I think you figure out how to make money when you realize like, oh, actually like this is what I'm good at. And I think this is what's going to sell. My secondary source of income, I haven't touched on this, is courses. So I have a course. I have three actually, but my main one is how to negotiate paid brand collaborations. For me, I did my natural assessment. People come to me to like learn how to be an influencer, how to get paid by brands, how to negotiate, like the business side. And so when I started talking about money specifically, it's very unique in the influencer space. A lot of influencers don't do it. And so when I started talking about money and I said, you know what, like I'm getting so much engagement from this and people are like literally having these crazy reactions and I feel like I'm helping people. Let me create a course so that anytime someone asks me, how do you make money from brand partnerships? I can just say, here's the course. And so at least for me, I like did that, but I was really nervous. I was like, who's going to buy a course? Like, well, you just got one buyer. I'm 100% taking your course. I actually just texted that to Megan. She did. She so. just texted me. I'm taking her course. <laughs> Everyone should take your course. I love that. What a way to pay it forward to be like, I have learned all of this stuff. I think that's why I get so excited about the creator economy in general, Emma. And I know we like vibe on this a little bit of like, Everyone is there to help each other. It's not like dog eat dog. There is enough space for all of us to climb up that ladder because we don't know where the roof is. You know what I mean? And there's room. And so let's help each other. Let's put our best foot forward and just like keep paying it forward because it helps everybody rise, you know? For sure. And my whole thing is like early on, and the re- big reason if you ever visit my page or hop on the podcast, a big reason I talk about money is because early in my creative career, I said, how are you making money? Like, how are you working with brands? And I literally had bloggers telling me, you just throw a number out there. And I was like, what? This cannot be the way. And so for me, I was like, you know what? It needs to be a different experience. We actually need to understand that the influencer industry is a billion dollar industry. And there's literally enough abundance for everyone to get paid. 
And so let's understand what we can charge for and how to structure our rates. Everyone's rates going to be different, but like, this is how you can approach building your rate out as a creator. I was like, I will never tell someone to just throw a number out there. Cause like, wh- what does that mean? Like, okay, we can go. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. All right. No, no. I mean, I think we could talk to you forever, but one thing we always try to you know, this is kind of a big question. So feel free to answer it now. And then we can maybe follow up on like an IG live or something like that and just continue to talk because we just have so much good synergy with you and we love you. But if you could go back in time when you started in 2014 and you you were you now, what advice would you give yourself back then? Oh my gosh, it's such a good question. Honestly, my advice to 2014 Emma would probably be like, don't wait to start taking things seriously. Cause I, I literally was like, I mean, I, it's hard. Cause like, you know, when you graduate from college you're 22 and you're like, what am I doing with my life? Like, do I belong? I'm drowning in this corporate job. Like, what am I doing? And so I really, for the first two years, I just like put my blog on the back burner. But then when I started taking it more seriously, I was so much happier because I had a creative outlet. And I literally had, you know, was able to like connect and express myself. And I realized like so much of, you know, the joy that I experience in life comes from creating content and just creating, connecting and just dreaming and trying new things and whatever that may be. And for me, if I could go back, I I wish I just had like started taking it more seriously earlier, but I didn't know that at the time, but But yeah, I think that's what I would say. It's like, you know what, if you, whoever's listening out there, if you feel inspired, whatever your thing is, if it's houseplants, if it's ping pong, if it's interior design, and you want to just start sharing it online and showing others how to do it, or what you've learned along the way, like, just do it. Because chances are, like, there's billions of people in the world and billions of people on the internet, someone's going to find your piece of content relevant and can connect with you and who you are and what you're doing, you know, for your brand and your community. I love that. I'm just going to have like a little moment. I was just going to say that. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> like, I was daydreaming as she was talking. I was too. like, that's so cool. Like, oh, what am I going to do? Oh I want to be in the Olympics. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the sky's the limit. I love that. Oh, Emma. So much good stuff. So, so many good nuggets. You're so sweet. I'm, no, I'm no, sorry. no. Honestly, we we're fortunate enough to like meet lots of cool people, but it's always so fun when we meet someone that's doing something similar to what we're doing and that we vibe with. So last big question. Oh boy. Where can people find you? So you can find me on Instagram at Emma's edition, TikTok at Emma's edition. My blog is Emma's edition.com. And then you can also find me at the content creatives podcast. We are just coming off a little podcast break. It was like our first break since we started in 2020. And so we are recording new episodes actually tomorrow, which I'm really excited about. And so we'll have new episodes for our podcast community. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Ladies, this was so fun. Amazing. Yeah, this was so fun and so educational for us. Thank you for teaching me so many things. I have more homework. I'm going to be taking a course soon. Hopefully it's not like more than six to 10 hours because I might... Okay, good. I was like, <laughs> just gonna time management. Out. Moving across the country, I've got my job. I'm advising on the side. I'm investing, and I'm also going to take a course now. So I'm ready. I'm plugged in. I'm yeah. buckled in. But thank you so much, Emma. This has been lovely. 
So, Megan, there was one thing that nobody else got to see that you got to see, which is that this episode is brought to you by Invisalign because you got to watch me take out my aligners right before we started recording. How did that make you feel? You know, I really just didn't know how much you liked sesame seeds until that moment. (laughs) You are such a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You leave me and my sesame seeds alone. No, Invisalign is this incredible company that helps me fix my teeth without having to have very, you know, adult braces on. So I'm super into it. And most people don't notice with the exception of the very soft lisp that I have, which is why I took out my aligners before we started recording. Oh, gosh, I'm so glad I'm married. (laughs) But yeah, guys, this episode is brought to you by Invisalign. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote, 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 quote, unquote, unquote. Invisalign. Yeah, I've been thinking about it. That's interesting. Maybe we can get them to actually sponsor this. That would be nice. There. (laughs) You are sponsored here. Insert Mayomi, insert Nordstrom, et cetera, et cetera. Look at these shiny pearly whites, you know, they're beautiful. They're totally beautiful. Okay. This episode was rad in so many ways. I know I took a lot away, but I'm curious what you took away. I think people grossly underestimate the level of detail and work required in order to be a successful, like a genuinely successful creator. And for me personally, I know who said it, but I'm not going to tell on that person. That person turned to me and said, I can't believe you have two jobs. The one that you have at HM Bradley and the one that you have where you're a content creator. And honestly, for us, it's like a fun side project. It is definitely, by the way, way more work than I anticipated. And literally it's just like one podcast episode recording on typically per week. So it's usually a Saturday afternoon, which by the way, still screws up your entire Saturday. But that was the thing that I took away listening to her talk. Like when I said she had four jobs, she literally has four jobs packed into one. So I'm extremely proud of her for making that much money. And I, but I'm simultaneously like this girl works hard to make that money. And like, I mean, honestly, good for her. Her content's beautiful, but like also that is something to consider if you want to become a content creator. Do you have the acumen to figure out both the business side and the content creator side? Because that is, I think, in my opinion, from meeting her, what creates an excellent content creator? Someone that knows both their audience and how to handle everything that the audience doesn't see. Yeah. And I think people happen into this industry, which I'm calling an industry because it is one. There's a reason it's been titled the creator economy, because I think it's really what millennials have always envisioned work being like, which is I want to be passionate and make money and have a good time and work hard, all incorporated into one thing. Like this is realized and this is real. And my money's here. Like I'm like, this is it. And I think Emma is just such a beautiful shining star of who these people are and that it's not just a person. It's not just a brand. It's really a business at the end of the day. And she demonstrated so flawlessly for us how to run it and how to do it the right way with having your goals in mind, you know, and that's really at the crux of it, what it is. And always coming back to, am I having fun? Do I get to take a run in the middle of the day? Because if I am, then I'm living my best life. And so I'm here for it. I am oh my here God, for that's it. 
That struck me so deeply. Like you with your treadmill that you roll underneath the couch, me with, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to run outside, although it's like two <laughs> degrees out right now and I haven't run in like five days. But that struck me so hard when she said that. I was like, I want to run too. Exactly. And you will. We all will. We'll all run. But I'm going to go to yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. This has been so much fun. I hope everyone learned something too from this. So, yeah, I love you too, babe. This is another nu- golden nugget. So, mm. all right. Love ya. Bye, babe. Love you. Thanks for joining us. Head on over to girlsjustwanna.com where you can subscribe to the show, follow Megan and I on social, or even text us your important financial questions. And remember, there's no shame in asking anything. We'll see you next time on Girls Just Wanna Have Funds. Bye.